0: With some of the chaos that you like and the memes that are stale, but it's okay. That's what we're all about here, is having as much fun as humanly possible. Which is why I'm happy to bring in our next guest to be able to talk about the Sabres. We are talking about the chairman of Tage Thompson the Pterodactyl fan club. We are talking about the man who coined the term of Donnie Meatballs. We are talking to Anthony Scandra of Expected Buffalo now on the Western Hotline. Anthony, it's been a bit, and the Sabres still managed to frustrate me, even though I shouldn't have expectations.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, (laughs) that seems to be the consensus a little bit, and that happens every every time, you know, every every season this time of year. So Um, despite how low the expectations were, there's still that, you know, frustration of watching a team continually lose, which is understandable, but – I do believe there is light on the horizon, which I'm sure you'll touch on here shortly.
0: Absolutely. And, Anthony, it's, I mean, why don't we start with the man that I don't know when you started calling him Pterodactyl, but he's leading this team in goals, he's leading this team in points, he's the top-line center on the Sabres, it's Tage Thompson, and the season that he's had, uh, this kind of resurgence and not just his value but what he's been able to bring to this team – If there's any consistent notion right now, it's this top line that he's centering with him, Skinner, and uh, now Alex Tuck on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we mentioned it to Chad D. DeMinesis and I on the Expected Buffalo podcast last week. I mean, it's it's a little bit unprecedented. It's very unprecedented uh, what he's doing and just the turnaround from his age 23 to age 24 season. I mean, this is a guy who uh, a lot of fans. I mean, some some of them had him written as like a fourth liner, right? Just just you know, we got to deal with him. We got to put up with him being on the roster. And that move to center. I mean, credit to Don Granato because it's far and away the best tactical move he's made as the Sabres head coach. Um, and and it all boils down to range. I wrote about it a little bit uh, at the site, and um, you know his his wingspan, right? Which is why he's called the pterodactyl. Um, <laughs> his wingspan if you put him in the center of the ice it allows him to kind of maximize it right where if he's skating along the wing, you're, you're almost limiting 180 degrees of his range so in watching uh you know the film on him watching the you know just his individual plays not even necessarily with the puck you can see that he's just a player who with his size he's doing a lot better in space
0: and anthony one of the biggest things though about not just being able to get those turnovers, but you're seeing that he's now just being more willing to uh, to pull the trigger, which is something that in years past we weren't seeing. Like We were seeing that one extra toe drag. We were seeing that one extra try to dangle to try to make things uh, look a little prettier. But now you've got a tall man putting a lot of flex on a stick with a quick release. So now looking at him and how that he's been able to grow, uh, I don't know what you need to do necessarily to help out with him because the top line looks like it's what it is skinner tuck and thompson how would you rate that though when it comes to top lines along the league like they're not terrible it's not a like it's probably a lower tier starting unit on a first line but how would you project future wise what would be going for tage thompson
1: yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say they're low tier in that regard. They're, they're probably middle of the pack, maybe a, a little below average, you know, in terms of first lines across the league. But I will say this, I mean, as a trio, right, Skinner, Thompson, and Tuck have spent 153 even strength minutes together, and in that time, they have an expected goals uh, for rate of, or per sixty rate rather of, of 3.3, right? And, and for those who who really don't understand what that means. Uh, basically that number indicates that they are producing offensive chances or expected goals at a 30% increased rate over average in the league, which is bananas. I mean, that's incredible, right? So while I do expect that to, to level out as that sample size gets larger uh, and, and kind of, you know, regress a little bit more toward the mean, that's just an incredible start. And if you look at the shot concentrations, I mean, such a high proportion of their shots are taken from the slot, like prime scoring areas. So they're just three guys who seem to be playing really good situational high ho- or uh, positional hockey rather. And they, they, you know, they, they're all just, they're never in the wrong place. I never watch them and think like, wow, he was way out of position on that sequence. Uh, they, they just seem to have this rapport and it speaks to the chemistry that they've kind of had instantly. And, you know, it speaks to Alex Tuck, even before Tuck got in, you know, to Buffalo, uh, Thompson was having a great year and he's brought him to even another level, right? Where, you know, Chad and I have talked about it. We, we, we liked what Thompson was doing. We we were very thrilled with, you know, his performance, but we expected a little bit of a regression, right? Cause he started so hot. That's just kind of natural. Alex Tuck has prevented that regression from taking place. And, and to go a step further, he's, 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 you know, made, made tape Thompson even better. So um we're, we're really excited to see how that line can to produce, um, The thing that will be interesting for me uh, for next season is to see if Skinner sticks on that line or if they maybe throw someone like J.J. Paterka up there if he's ready or what what they do in that regard. But Tuck and Thompson seems to be a a duo moving forward, and the results are speaking for themselves right now.
0: Now, speaking of some results, I want to go to a player that's a little more uneven at the center position. That's uh, Dylan Cousins. But Mm -hmm. last night we saw him paired with Kyle Oposo again, and the kid shined once more. So, And it seems like any time that Cousins and Oposo are together, it seems like they're a different kind of a dynamic duo, uh, one that looks like it just gels properly between the two players. So when it comes to Cousins, is he a little trickier to find that kind of linemate chemistry for finding what the right fit is, or is this just that season where you're trying to figure that out and see where he would truly thrive?
1: um maybe somewhere in the middle so historically uh young centermen who are, aren't um, let's call it defensively inclined uh they they tend to thrive with wingers who are so uh seeing Dylan Cousins have success with uh, Kyle Oposo, Rasmus Asplund and I know he hasn't had a lot of time with this player cuz he's been hurt a lot and they haven't been together, but even a Zemgis Gergenson's would be potentially a helpful guy to have on one of his lines. I think that uh, having Asplund and Oposo with him right now is a little bit overkill. I don't know that you need to do it that way, but um, having a defensive entity with a young center is never a bad idea, and especially Cousins, who for he's one of the best transition forwards in the league right now. I mean, if you look at his transition numbers, he is so good at uh, you know flipping the ice whereas everything else, once he gets into the offensive and defensive zone, that's where it starts to fall off a little bit, more so defensively than offensively. So putting him with a guy like Kyle Oposo, who has a history of being a very good 200-foot player, let's call it, um, it's a great move. I I like it a lot. Uh, I like Asplund with him, you know, as well on that other side. Um, And then, you know, when Tuck came in, you know, got got traded to Buffalo, um, everyone kind of had him penciled next to Cousins because he's, kind of that perfect guy to have with him, right? Another 200-foot player who can be conscious defense- defensively. He can win battles along the board. That's the guy you want with Dylan Cousins so that you can free him up to do Dylan Cousins things, uh, you know, aid in transition, be a good offensive forechecker. Uh, I think he was being asked to do too much with really poor line mates. Um, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I think he spent a really high proportion of the early season with uh, with Vinny Henestrosa and just kind of like that. Luster guys, for the most part. So, um, I like that they're balancing his skill set. And there was a sequence last night where he made this Cousins uh, made this outstanding zone entry on offense and he lost the puck. It got, got batted away from him. And Kyle Oposa was right there to just reacquire possession and create a scoring chance. And, and that's kind of it's not just I don't want people to just think that Oposa was serving uh, Cousins only as a defensive entity, he's serving him as a puck possession entity. Uh, He's just a puck retriever by nature, and and that's just such an important piece to have with a young center like Cousins.
0: Anthony Scandra joining us on the West Hur Hotline. Anthony, I want to stay on a postal a little bit here, too, because when that contract was signed, it was originally seen as probably like a solid value contract originally by Tim Murray uh, back in 2016. Now, though, we're finally seeing after three seasons of like Some real slumping production. We're kind of seeing that Kyle Oposo production coming back. 30 points in 47 games. That's already better than each of the last three seasons, and except for last year, in less games. I think that you're seeing this player kind of coming back into his own after what was a really scary health situation with him uh, back in 2018 to end that season. And now you're seeing Oposo though not just being that 200 foot player, but really being able to produce again and become a solid middle six option instead of having to toil on the fourth line again.
1: Yeah, Oposo is uh, he, he's like he's like a blood type O negative. He, he's kind of he can work on any line. Uh, he can be an offensive forechecker if you need him to be. He can be a defensive MD if you need him to be. And and that's that kind of versatility that was missing because, like you said, when he had you know his health scare uh, a few years ago. You could see that he wasn't the same guy, right? He was a little bit slower. He wasn't quite as aggressive on boards, which, by the way, all that is totally understandable. That's not a shot at Kyle O'Poso by any means. Um But, yeah, it seems like that comfortability is coming back. And at 33 years old, he's pacing out for, like, 55 points, and that would be his highest point total as a saver. Uh, he's one of the better expected goals producers on the team. So, He's just had this kind of renaissance in his mid-30s, which doesn't happen too often. And, uh, but like I said, it's, it's his, he's kind of a chameleon, right? He, he's, his ability to adjust to whatever he needs to be, depending on what line he's on in a given game, that's been the secret sauce to all this. That's been his, you know, the key to his success, where if Granato needs him to be a defensive shutdown guy per game because of how you know, injuries are stacked up or, or what have you, he can be that. If he needs to get called up to the second line and, you know, have a 60% offensive zone start rate for a game, he can be that. He can forecheck for you. He can win the battles along the boards. He can do kind of that dirty work. And it's something it seems like he's more willing and and more apt to do uh, this year. And it's just been amazing to see. I mean, what's funny is that at a 55-point rate, that $6 million – Price tag is actually in line now, probably for the first time since he signed it. So it's it's really interesting. It's really neat, um, and you know I, I hope he continues it in the next year, which is the last year of his contract. Because um, yeah, he's been a key piece this season,
0: and not to mention that cap hit looks far more justifiable as he starts to keep it getting that production. So yeah, you do want to see him be able to match that at least one more time, so that the contract at least looks a little more favorable as this Sabres team tries to turn its corner uh, one more time. The trade deadline's coming soon for this team, and there are some assets available on the blue line in particular, Anthony, that the Sabres have used to get rid— like, they have use in getting rid of them. Uh, I know Mark Pesek is a favorite amongst the analytic crowd, and he is going to be up there because teams do pay a pretty penny for a right-handed defenseman. What do you think the Sabres will end up doing ultimately with Pesik and in a little bit less of an extent, uh, Colin Miller, as he's still recovering from injury as the trade deadline nears?
1: Yeah, I mean, starting with Pesic, I mean, he's he's kind of a coin toss for me right now, what's going to happen with him, meaning, yeah, I could totally see a team like Carolina is, is probably a really good example of a team that would target him. I could see them giving up a second or a third round pick and and... If you're the Sabres, I probably don't do it for a third, but, it, man, if someone's offering you a second, that's, that's tough to turn up because for as good as Mark Pezik has been and as solid as, as he's been, uh, especially in his own end this season, uh, man, I mean, what, what else can you get? What can you package that second-round pick along with in the offseason to get something maybe even better? So um, I think the Savers' kind of uh, lack of depth organizationally on the right side of the defense might entice them to keep him, which I'm very much in favor of. I'm also in favor of a Matt Molson scenario where they trade him and then re-sign him that summer, um, or the following summer, I should say. So yep. I'm, I'm, you know, I'd be in favor of all of that, but I, I would like to see him in blue and gold next year. But like you said, I mean, if someone's willing to offer you well above market value for him, I mean, you gotta, you gotta make a, a fair value assessment, and you know, Mark Pesek's a 30-year-old defenseman, and he's, you know as much as we love him, he is replaceable. He's not he's not a, a cornerstone to this defense. So, um, like I said, I'd love him back. Uh and, and I think someone would have to probably pay over market value for me to want to trade him. Uh but it also depends on does he want to come back? You know, I think I think we're we're kind of missing that part. Is Mark Pezik interested in being a Saber next year and that's going to be a key factor in this too. I mean if they you know if he's very much on board, well okay. That makes it easier to kinda of have this conversation. But if he's wishy washy right now about you know what he wants to do in the summer well yeah trade him then you, you can't take that risk um so he's an interesting case and then Colin Miller man just horrible timing and and it's in in, in a lesser sense you know the same deal with Henestrosa up front I mean just the, the timing of their injuries is terrible because as we know the, the market for right-handed defensemen especially good ones um is is very high right now so um we'd like to see you know Miller did a second maybe if someone's willing to do that but I think if he's unable to play games prior to the deadline that really hurts the Sabres negotiating ability and it, it makes teams a little more cautious on him so um, I'd really like to see him get back soon here and and you know have some productive ice time just to kind of show teams okay he's back he's healthy he he's good to go for a playoff run so he's he's another interesting case where I know he I, I'm certain he will get traded but the value that the Sabres get in return is kind of up in the air right now.
0: Yeah, like you said, it's unfortunate the timing of that injury because especially early on in the season, you were able to look at Colin Miller and go, huh, maybe you could actually flip him for something. And then Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of that decline and then the injury, and that's probably really not going to help the Sabers' cause there uh, in order to try to get a better pick. But staying on the defense now, as we turn back to this roster, Anthony, uh, it looks like one of the biggest questions now is just, who the heck do you pair up with Rasmus Dahlin to get the most effective use out of a top-line pairing? Uh, Henry Yoki has been very much uh, disappointing in this season when it comes to what we were hoping he would be, mm-hmm. and that has unfortunately continued throughout. But now, Dahlin has been able to ascend up to a production level that people are wanting to see, people are hoping to see. It's just a question of, who the heck can they get to pair up next to him?
1: Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think that player is currently on the roster, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy who, and I'm, I am not going to get popularity points to this, I know he, <laughs> he's just a widely hated player around the league, but he's very productive and, and he's kind of uh, a very nice compliment, in my opinion, to what Darlene does. I would love to see the Sabres try and pursue Red Gudis in the offseason. Uh, the Florida Panthers are going to be really tight up against the cap. He's got one year remaining on his current deal and like him or not, he is an outstanding defensive defenseman. And I think he would give Darlene a little bit more comfortability to carry the puck and take some more risks, right? Which we know Rasmus Dalin is at his best when he is, he feels, you know, kind of vindicated to carry the puck and, and create offense, right? He's, he's almost a, another forward on the back end there. So, or at least he can be. So, I want a guy who's a little bit more defensively inclined. I was hoping Mark Pezik would be a little bit better match for him this year, but their ice time together has been lackluster. Um, and I know they've only got one game together so far, but last night I did like how Casey Fitzgerald looked with Darlene. Uh, you know, The plausibility of that long-term is very unknown. I, I need to see more of it, but I thought they did a good job, uh, especially probably the first time. Cheryl has ever had to handle top-pairing minutes in an NHL game, so I thought he acquitted himself nicely in that regard. Uh, but yeah, I think if you're looking for a, a real solid entity to try and target via trade this offseason, I would call Florida on Gutis. I think he's a perfect fit for Dolly.
0: Anthony, um, one last thing I've got for you here about this team's current roster makeup, i um, I mean, actually, no. It's not the current roster makeup. I lied. It's about uh, what's in the future at net, because last night we saw quite the showcase from a couple of the prospects. Uh, obviously, Uka in 50 saves down in Rochester in an overtime win. Devin Levi one-upping that in the sheer number with 60 out of 61 shots, but still comes away with a 3-1 win for uh, <laughs> in net. And it's just ridiculous to see, but at the same time, it gives you hope considering what the Sabres currently have between the pipes.
1: Yeah. I mean, Levi will feel right at home uh, getting <laughs> shelled with shots when he gets to this level. <laughs> at least he's used to it. Uh, so he's not playing for a collegiate team that's, that's, you know, really, really good and allowing 20 shots a game. And he's putting up these numbers. No, he's, he's just a brick wall. Um, I don't... Think he's gonna be an NHL candidate as soon as next year? I know some people have, you know, kind of said, "Hey, he's he's really great. Maybe he could be, you know, something next year." It's like, ah, I don't think so. Maybe AHL um, if they if they agree to sign him, uh, but uh, to his entry level deal, I should say. But uh, Lukanen is, is an interesting guy, right? He's been hot and cold, not just this year, just kind of in general since since you know coming to North America. Um, I, I like him a lot. I think he's actually played better for the Sabres than he has for the Amherst overall, which is interesting. And goalies are weird. That sometimes happens. I uh, think Jordan Bennington is another example of, of a guy who, you know, was kind of whatever in the AHL for the most part and then became an NHL starter. So it happens. Goalies are voodoo. They're, you know, from, from my realm, the analytics realm, it's they're really tough to project. Uh, there's There's a very limited degree of consistency and trend when it comes to goalies. Uh, and they take forever to cook. You can have a goalie you know, hit his, finally hit his stride at age 26, where that doesn't happen with forwards and, and seldom with defensemen either. So um, they're tough to project. I like Lukanen maybe a little bit more than most. Uh, I, I think that he should be theoretically penciled in as at least a rotational starter for the Sabres next year. Uh, and then, you know, pursue a veteran. Maybe you, you see if you can give Holtby a crazy one-year deal just because – the Sabres, I think, at the beginning of the summer are going to be something like $12 million under the cap floor. So they're oh. going to have to spend money. Uh, so if you can get Braden Holt to do a one-year deal, it doesn't matter that you overpaid him. You're in no risk of even sniffing the cap uh, ceiling. So uh, maybe you do something like that and have them rotate or, you know, whatever. But you can't you can't go into next year with one goalie and a guy who should be in the AHL. So. Any idea of like a Sikarski or, or whomever, right, being that backup, yep. you, you can't have it. You need someone who, if Lukanen struggles, you can throw in a reliable vet and, and get good results. So, especially because the Sabres are not going to be a, or hopefully their, their goal at least, is not going to be to be a uh, bottom dwelling team next year. They want to take that next step, and their play and that has hurt them this season. I mean, there, there's no denying that. It's been. I think only Seattle has had a worse go in net uh, for how poorly their goalies have impacted their overall performance. So, um, yeah, I, I like Lucan. I, I think they're probably letting him recover from his injury a little bit. and Maybe if they trade Anderson at the deadline, uh, if they can get a mid- to late-round pick for him, they might call him back up. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm interested. I mean, you've got uh, the goalie farm that was at the beginning of the season very, very dire and, and empty, and now you have Levi, who's just, it up in the NCAA. You have Lukanen, who seems to be taking that next step, and it's all good news.
0: And then you even have Eric Portillo in Michigan doing a good job right. out there, too. So, yeah, you mentioned it. The goalie well is suddenly back to replenished. And, again, it's weird that this team has hope, and it's nice to see a little bit of that hope springing through a little bit in the current roster as well. Anthony, I'm looking at the trade bait for TSN, everyone's favorite list at this time of year. And there's a couple of familiar faces. Um, one of them being Johan Larson, uh mm-hmm. with Arizona. He's on that list at 25. But then the other one, the Sabres made out with an absolute coup uh, by trading Rasmus Ristolainen on one year left of his deal to get a first-round mm-hmm. pick and a second-round pick and a roster player out of it. And now Philadelphia is either in this tough position of paying Rasmus Ristolainen, which does not look like a good idea, again, Uh, Because what a shock. He has once again proven to be a uh, defensive black hole on a team somehow. It's not just the Sabres. Who would have thought? Uh, Or they trade him, basically taking the L for the acquisition earlier in the offseason. So do you think Philadelphia dishes Risto at the deadline based solely on the fact that teams do like to pay up for a right-handed shot?
1: Yeah, I think he does ultimately ultimately get traded, and and for that reason you just mentioned because right-handed defensemen are are hot commodities, and because I, I think he wants to get traded. I mean, you, I forget who it was. It might have been Darren Dreger this week, uh, said something to the effect of Ristolainen wants to go to a playoff team. Like he doesn't want to stay in Philadelphia, uh, which is kind of ironic because just the the blindness to the fact that he's part of the problem. But it, <laughs> you know, obviously, a player would never think that way. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that Philly is going to come close to, uh, you know, kind of replenishing what they gave up for him. Uh, however, I do think there's a team out there who would pay them something above what he should, what he's actually worth. Uh, I think the thing that hurts uh, Philly this year is that for the first time, the points aren't there for Rasmus Ristelainen. And that was kind of an inherent part of his value, not only as a righty, but the fact that he was producing points, right, both even strength and on the power play. I think he's got like 12 points in 44 games this year, so that has totally tapered off. His underlying impacts are very bad. I mean, offensively, they're they're okay. Defensively, he's having his worst season since the tank year, since 14-15. I oh. mean, it's he's an absolute black hole defensively, like you said. Um, but, again, there are a lot of old-school GMs who love big, gritty, offensively conscious, I guess, defensemen on that right side. I wouldn't be surprised if someone gave them a first-round pick for him so they at least replenished the the most um, valuable asset they gave up to get him. But I'd I'd be stunned if they got uh, the same thing they gave up.
0: Anthony, one last thing, just because I I continue to not ever have a plan. but. Looking on the trade bait site again, one of the things they have on there is Arizona cap space. What about the Sabers? Do you think they weaponize what they have when it comes to room? Because you mentioned that the, that next year they're still way off the cap floor. Do you think they try to weaponize that in the trade deadline, or uh, or is or is that more of an off-season idea?
1: Um, I don't know that it has to be one or the other necessarily. Uh, I, I think that they should uh, logically work as a broker, right, for two teams that want to make a deal, but the cap doesn't work, right? So so basically the Sabres would take the player, whomever it would be, right, retain half, and then they would get a draft pick essentially for retaining half the salary and sending him to the other team. Uh, Toronto has done that in the past. I mean, a lot of – I think Arizona did it this summer even. Uh, teams with a lot of cap space who are willing to spend tangible dollars, not cap dollars, right, uh, are willing to do that. And I, I don't know if that's where the Sabres – are as an organization i think they'll weaponize the cap in the sense of they'll retain salary on someone like miller and and you know maybe even henistroza um but i i would love to see them be kind of a brokerage team during the deadline and, and get future assets as you know kind of a cost of doing business in that regard uh, i think it'd be a really smart play and and yeah you could even do that this summer if you wanted to because uh, like you said cap space is not going to be an issue um, so I wouldn't want to take on anything long-term, right? I wouldn't want to, you know, grab a fourth line forward who's got four years left at $6 million. Like, no thank you, but if it's, if it's a one-year thing, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. But again, I'm not sure if that's where the Sabres heads are at organizationally, but I think it would be a smart tactical play.
0: Anthony, as I always like to do, and you've done this before with me, let the good people know where to find you and where to find your work.
1: Yeah, um on Twitter at uh, my handle is expectedbyant, Uh and our site is expectedbuffalo where obviously we kind of focus on the analytics side of things and um, yeah, Chad and I started it uh, about a year and a half ago and we're really thrilled with uh, kind of how it's turned out and the support we've got. So, uh, you know, we've got every other day there's usually an article up uh, between one of us and, and Eddie Tavone who's our, our third writer on the site. So, um, yeah, check us out there, and, you know, we appreciate the uh, support from everyone who's subscribed so far.
0: Anthony, you're one of the most chaotic followers on Twitter. You're one of my favorites, (laughs) and uh, I love being able to talk to you anytime I get a chance.
1: I appreciate you having me on,
0: Derek. Thanks a lot. Of course. That's Anthony Scandra, expected Buffalo, on the West Her Hotline and always a delight to talk to. And, of course, uh, he's he's an even bigger delight to follow on Twitter. If you love the chaos, uh, if you love the kind of style of a guy who loves just having fun with a miserable hockey team, uh, follow him, please. And we've been tagging him in our station's tweets as well today, too. So if you're not following him by now, You should, because he gives you a different perspective if you haven't been following the analytics. And if you do like analytics, you're probably already following him, but if you're not, you're doing it wrong. And, yes, that is me telling you how to live your life. So, sorry. Uh, But I kind of want to talk more about the NHL in the next segment, about the trade deadline, how fun it could get, uh, because we haven't had one of those in a while, a fun NHL trade deadline where it was like truly chaotic. And maybe this year the Sabres could get involved with that. I brought it up a little bit here in this past segment. We'll talk more about it on the other side right here on WGR.